Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Jeff Grammer with the Albuquerque Journal, and this is the Talking Grammar Podcast, episode, let's see here, episode 38 now, and this podcast obviously primarily covers Lobo basketball, but today's episode, as the Lobos are about to play Colorado State on Tuesday night in Fort Collins, Colorado, I caught up with Colorado State head coach Nico Medved before this series, and I, it's pretty cool. I called up Reached out to Nico last week and just said, look, I know it's going to be busy. You got the Wyoming series in front of you. You got the UNM series, short turnaround after that. Any chance you can carve out a little bit of time to, to record a podcast conversation? And within minutes, he got back to me and said, how, how about an hour from now? So that was on a game day against Wyoming. Um, not a whole lot of people not only respond that quickly, but then give you the time on a game day to – for an opposing beat writer, opposing school's beat writer to, to do that. But um, anyway, I'm glad he did that and much appreciative. And as I record this, this is Monday afternoon and the game is Tuesday night. And as I record this on Monday afternoon, you might hear in the background some a little bit of um, some noise because as I record this, my 11-year-old daughter is in her virtual flamenco class and you might be able to hear the cassinets here. She is actually in the same room with me. And next to her now is a 18-month-old or 19-month-old. I forget how old she is, but they are now both in the same room as me as I record this intro. So if you hear any background noise, um, that is my two daughters. And uh, the living the home life dream is, is what I got going on. My recording studio right now has a flamenco class going on in the next room and and a baby, a, a toddler running around the house screaming at everything in sight and wanting to play. So anyway, that's the home life going on for me. But this conversation with Nico Medved today is a pretty cool one. First of all, again, much appreciative of him to even do a podcast, um, but to do it in such short notice as he did last week when we recorded this. I will tell you, though, I felt I felt kind of bad because, <laughs> as I said, I I reached out to him, asked him if he could do um, a conversation for my podcast. He said yes, and later that night they play the you know the border war their their rivalry game with Wyoming, and it went down to the buzzer. And obviously Colorado State, even though they're playing on the road, was was pretty fairly heavily favored. Wyoming is in a rebuild mode, and CSU is competing for a league title. So I was feeling pretty pretty nervous that my uh, my jinx game was that strong that uh, recording a podcast later that night affected the outcome of the game. So I was glad it did not. They did pull it off and um, won again two games later. And, and right now, Colorado State is sitting pretty at 11-3 and three in the Mountain West standings, having already played the other three teams that I think are in a four-team race right now for a league title. And they split with all three of them, San Diego State, Utah State, and Boise State. So they do still have Nevada on the road um, ahead on the schedule. And I, I think that, as Nico says in this conversation, you'll hear, there, there's still a lot, of, a lot of basketball yet to be played for this Colorado State team. And the reason I find them so intriguing this year is I thought they were a year away. I picked them preseason five, and I think that's where they, they were in the preseason polls. And, and I don't think there's anybody um, that, that really thought of them, thought of Colorado State as being a league title contender just this year, maybe not outside of their locker room. They were, they're too young. They have two player of the year candidates in, in Isaiah Stevens, who was last year's freshman of the year. They have David Roddy, who finished last year as either number two or number three, depending on your perspective in freshman of the year 
um, voting and, and what your opinion may have been. Orlando Robinson from Fresno State certainly was, was right there, 2A, 2B, maybe those two guys. But Isaiah Stevens, by the end, was the best freshman last year. But this year, David Roddy has been dominating. Isaiah Stevens, quietly somehow, is still a player of the year candidate. Like, I don't know how he's doing it quietly when you look at his numbers, which are which are pretty um, impressive, but he they are. I thought losing Nico Carvacho and, and, and being a team that has no seniors playing any key minutes or, or any veterans playing key minutes, I thought they were a year away and they said – you know, forget this year away talk. We're we're going to do it now, and they're in a good position to, to compete for a Mountain West title. I do think that they have a chance of getting in the NCAA tournament. And when I say that, obviously every team has a chance to win the Mountain West tournament to get in. But when I say I think a team has a chance to be an NCAA tournament team, I'm talking at large. And they are certainly a bubble team. A lot of national prognosticators are are putting them right there around the bubble. And um, they they have a shot. They they if they win out, especially two road games at Nevada, if they if they pull off both of those, like they'll be in a really good position, intriguing position because they don't have any great non-conference wins, but they don't have any bad losses right now either. So they're they're an intriguing team right now, and they're certainly playing worthy of being an NCAA tournament team. The last time Colorado State was in the NCAA tournament happens to be the last time. That Nico Medved was on the on the Colorado State bench before becoming head coach. He was an assistant under Tim Miles, and for one season under Larry Eustacey, he was the guy that basically was in charge. I know it's a team effort, as he points out, but uh, he was in charge of bringing in that core group of that 2012-13 team that was was really up until about two weeks left in the season was really going toe-to-toe with the Lobos, that really good Lobo team that ended up being a number three seed in the NCAA tournament. That was Steve Alford's final year. Lobos go on to lose to Harvard. I know Lobo fans love me reminding them of that. But as I asked Nico, hey, what was your you know, what was your last season with the Rams before becoming a head coach at Furman? And he immediately said 2012-13, and without skipping a beat, without me prompting him at all, he says, yeah, the, he brings up the Kendall Williams game. And that was, for for those who don't recall what the Kendall-Williams game is, while these two teams were competing for a league title on February 23rd, 2013, and and again, without being prompted, Nico rattles off all these stats. Kendall-Williams goes for 46 points, hits 10 three-pointers, just can't miss. And uh, so we reminisce a little bit about that game. He obviously not as fond of memory for him as it is for Lobo fans who like remembering that game, but uh, he, he remembers that, and he... You know, a, a team like that, that Colorado State team and, and the guys he recruited to that team, and they at that point had been to back-to-back NCAA tournaments, haven't been since, but he was a big part of that. That helped him land a head coaching job at Furman. All he's done as a head coach so far, listen to this little stat, Furman in 2012-13 goes 6-24. and Then they hire Nico Medved. They go to nine wins in his first year, 11 wins, 19 wins, 23 wins. So in each of his four seasons there, they improved the win total. He goes to Drake for one year, 2016-17. The year before they hire Nico Medved, they have seven wins. His one year as coach, 17 wins. He comes to Colorado State in 2017-18. The year before they hire him, they went 11-21. and Since hiring Nico, they went 12-20. and They go to 20 wins last year. And then this year, they're competing for a league title. They're at 14 wins right now. But obviously, it's a little bit shortened season with with COVID situation going on, and there's still some season to play. But they're well on their way to to passing 20 wins, and uh, not a bad little track record for let's see, four, five, six, eight years as a head coach. And every one of those years, wherever you've been, you have improved your team's win total over the previous year. That that's hard to do. It's hard to keep doing, obviously. 
But it uh, looks like they're going to do it again this year. So wanted to reach out to Nico, bring to Albuquerque-based and New Mexico-based um, fans and listeners to this podcast or readers of the Albuquerque Journal kind of uh, some perspective on some people around the league, including Nico Medved, who has his Colorado State Rams a year ahead of schedule, certainly ahead of whatever my schedule was on my opinion of them. So hope you're enjoying these podcasts. Hope you're enjoying all these conversations, not just with Lobo coaches and players, but um, obviously in this case, an opposing Mountain West coach. Tell me what you think. I'm on Twitter all the time at Jeff Grammer, or you can reach out to me on email, G-G-R-A-M-M-E-R at abqjournal.com. Follow all our coverage of Lobo basketball and sports around the state of New Mexico at abqjournal.com slash sports and subscribe not only to this podcast whether it's on itunes spotify soundcloud whatever but subscribe to local journalism it's important as important now as it's ever been and that's the only way you're going to continue to get coverage of your local college teams the national outlets obviously aren't able to cover every college around the country but local journalists and local journalism is where you can get that coverage and i hope to continue to bring it to you but that only happens if you guys help us and that means subscribing abqjournal.com slash subscribe is where you can find information on subscribing to the albuquerque journal's digital or print edition and again hope you enjoy this conversation with colorado state head coach nico medved nico what's up man how you doing Jeff, I'm doing great. Just uh, here in uh, Laramie, getting ready to uh, to play the Cowboys here, and so uh, just another day at the office. I'm telling you, man, the the fact that you are you're doing this today, um, greatly appreciated. First of all, but I, I I guess it kind of also gets me into what is a game day routine for you. Um, it's not the main reason I want to talk to you, but I mean, some coaches wouldn't do this on a game day, and that and that's fine. Some coaches try and carve out maybe a little bit of time that isn't just about the game and think about it all day. So what is your game day like? The fact that you're doing this, I'm, I'm appreciative of. You know, it, it, it's I think everybody's got a routine. It's a little different. You know, for us, we play tonight. You know, uh, for me, as we get through, like, you know, we had practice yesterday. You're watching practice. You're watching film staff meeting this morning. Your players eat pregame. You watch film. We had our shoot around. And then for me, a lot of times on game day, after shoot arounds over, it's kind of like the haze in the barn, you know, the proverbial haze in the barn. And like, you know, you think about the game, but you, you, you try to maybe take a moment. I get a, I get a workout in, um, you know, in this series, the way that we're doing things, maybe if you play four games in eight days, like we're about to, you might even watch a little bit of film on the next game. Um, but I think it's important for me. I try to get away from it a little bit, the best I can, uh, go get some exercise, go for a walk, uh, you know, uh, FaceTime the kids, uh, right. something like that, you know, maybe just try to get away from it. I, I'll even put my head down a little bit, maybe before the game, 15 minutes. I, well, I was um, going to say, I heard you say sometimes you, you try and break in a nap. I heard you on, on Tim Miles podcast, you know, the, the best and greatest podcast of all time. This is a step below that level. I know that. I don't know, I, Jeff. I, I mean, you're a professional. Miles isn't a professional now. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but he uh, he's he's pulled he pulls off the media game pretty well, to be he honest. He does, he does, he does. But but look, I, I appreciate you doing this. I, I, I wanna I wanna talk a little bit about um a little bit about the past, but mostly about your team. Let me start off though with what was your last in your first stint at CSU? What what was your last season there? It was twelve and uh, twelve thirteen. Uh, the year, you know, we went to the NCAAs and I still have flashbacks. I think we're ranked in the top 25 and like we were playing to clinch the regular season Mountain West championships and Kendall Williams comes into Moby and scores 46 and makes 10 threes. 
uh, uh, um, the dang Lobos, you know, cost us the, uh, the regular season championship, but obviously we had a great season that year. We went to the NCAA, we beat Missouri in the first round, and then we ended up losing to Louisville, uh, you know, who went on to win the, uh, the national championship that year. And then I got my first head coaching job after that season um, at Furman. But yeah, well, that was my last year at CSU. I was, I was pretty sure it was. I wasn't positive, but I was going to ask you about that game. I was going to bring it up in as polite a terms oh. polite as I could. But you, I mean, you were the guy kind of behind recruiting Colton. And, and I mean, that that starting five for, for CSU that year was, was a great starting five. I guess Daniel Bejarano was was off the bench, though, I think. But, but I mean, you, yep. you, you had a big hand in recruiting that that core, didn't you? I was fortunate enough to, you know, and recruiting is always a team effort, but, uh, um, but yeah, I was fortunate to do that. And, and man, you're right. Like that crew uh, and several of those guys before, you know, that we recruited when we were, we were awful, you know, the first year we went 0 and 16 in the mountain West and uh, we won four games the next year. And uh, for a group of guys like that to believe in, in us and our vision and kind of what coach miles wanted to do and um, to do that. And then, you know, we, we would sell those guys that, Hey, you know, we're going to go to the NCAA tournament and we want to win when we get there. And for that crew to kind of see that, you know, materialize and they ended up going to back-to-back NCAAs, but then to win that game too against Missouri, it was really cool. And uh, what a great group of guys. And, and uh, obviously I know this, uh, I wouldn't be where I am without a group of players like that. You know, uh, there's never been a, a great coach who hasn't had great players. And, and those guys are just a special group. Well, that Kendall Williams box score, and, and again, I was I was there courtside, um, visiting media. Used to sit right there, center court. I had the best seat in the house to watch that. Maybe not as good as your seats, but uh, I don't know if you thought your seat was good that day because he couldn't miss. And, and the funny thing, there's two things. All my memory of, of that game are um, the Colton Iverson Alex Kirk showdown was like the secondary thing because of what Kendall did. But those yeah. two guys going at it that day, I think they both had double doubles. Colton had had better numbers overall, but I thought Alex Kirk and, and Colton going at it were was big. Um, and then the other thing is, is Kendall was in foul trouble. He actually didn't. I, I pulled it up just to make sure he played 33 minutes, but it, I, I was actually thinking it was more like just 30 minutes because he was in foul trouble. And and uh, when he was on the court, he just he was firing and wasn't missing. It was just one of those nights he got going and it was like every, it was a heck of a, it was a heck of a game. Like I do, I remember Alex and Colton just going at it and two terrific teams and, and just, yeah, Kendall Williams. It was just, it, you know, I, I, it was funny. You brought up that season and just like that, you know, you, you remember those things, right. And although it was a bad memory, our guys still talk about it. Like you'll talk to Pierce Horning or Dorian Green who's now is at Northern Colorado and those guys. And I'll be like, God, you, you remember that game? Joe Desiman who's on my staff, you know, who came off the bench uh, uh, on that game and they still talk about it. And, and uh, um, yeah, what an unbelievable performance by him. And, and uh, probably the low light of that season for the Rams, I guess. <laughs> well, let's, we'll, we'll move Those on damn to, Lobos, man. Those we'll, Lobos. We'll, we'll move on to happier things for the Rams. Yeah. I will add this, and, and I've given Kendall a hard time about this in the past. He missed five free throws that day. I mean, he, he was 12 of 17 at the free throw line. Now, he got to the free throw line 17 times, but he hits those five. He has a 50-point game. He hits four of those five that he missed. He hits 50. So I'll move on to happier times for you, happier memories, and that's – kind of the present right now you you guys have a team right now that I look I, I picked you guys fifth in the preseason I'm I'm one that will let people know when I pick them a little lower than they finish and I'll admit it um because you guys are you're the team that's supposed to be a year away I thought you guys were still too young I'm, I'm curious how you embraced the idea that people recognized that you were going to be good 
but most people, myself included, thought it was a year away. And kind of how you approached that, where, where you guys had this mix of getting praise, but also nobody really believing in you just yet. It's a little, first of all, back up and say, you know, the season's not over yet. So, I mean, there's uh, there's sure. basketball that can be played, you know, and all that. And we are where we are, but um, off to a great start. But, but, you know, there's a lot left to be played. But, you know, I don't know. I think that's a great question. I think, I think it was fair going into the season for other people, you know, to look at. You look at um, some of the production that, that we had lost. We have such a young crew. Um, you know, people looking, hey, I, if that CSU team has a chance. Um, I think for us, you know, you, you never know how it's going to go. But, but I'll say this, I think everybody on our program felt like we could take a step forward this year. We had a great group of guys. Um, they're, they're together. Um, they work. They're about the right things. They all really want to be here. Um, and so I thought we had a lot of really great intangibles about our crew. Um, but you don't know how that's going to go. You know, when the game starts, we're still relying on a lot of guys that don't have a lot of, ex some have no experience, you know, and so our bench was going to be really young. Um, and now in our case, we're starting another freshman, James Moores. But, you know, it's crazy how this stuff works, you know, and then you don't know how you're going to handle adversity. I felt like we would handle it, but every team, once they go through it and they handle it the right way, I think, you know, you, you take a step forward. And for us, you know, we were, everything was going great. COVID shutdown, right? We're shut down three weeks, four days before we're getting ready to head on a plane to play our first game. We had no COVID positives all through the summer. And it was just heartbreaking. We're about ready to go play Cal and Oregon state, you know? Um, and man, that was tough, you know, and, and, and for our guys, so you're like, all right, how are we going to handle this? Well, we came back, um, we beat, you know, division two and Pablo beat Northern Arizona. We'd only really had three full practices and then we go to St. Mary's and it was just a debacle. You know, I watch, um, I watch playing, that, yeah, I watch that oh, entire game and I, I don't watch opposing teams that and I cover the Lobos, obviously. Yeah. I don't watch full games of, of opposing teams all that often because I, I don't have all that much time. Usually that game I happen to watch pretty much the entire oh. game. And uh, yeah, you, you guys looked uh, offensively challenged. And, and, and you know what's interesting is I thought it could be a pretty good offensive team. But so you're playing against a group that St. Mary's is really good. They've already what played six, seven games. I don't remember what it was. They're foaming at the mouth. They're in great form. They're in shape. They're playing. We had barely practiced and they just whipped us, you know, and we weren't ready, you know, and, and for our guys, you know, you look back on, they say, how are we going to respond? Well, we, we, we did respond and we handled it great. We came back and got a really nice win at Santa Clara, you know, after that. And I think, you know, from that point on that group showed me that they responded through that and we've really just continued to get better. And, and, it, and, and I think that, so I thought we could get better. We had some adversity early in the season. And, and when you, when you handle that, you handle it the right way and you, and you got the right group of guys who are going to keep fighting and growing Um, they do. And then, um, you know, some guys have really blossomed. Some of these guys that we think each other starting to take the next step in their careers. And um, here we are. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious if that's a, if you're a coach that believes you needed that in any way, like when, when the story on this season is, is written at the end, I know it's, still plenty of Mountain West um, to play, let alone whatever happens beyond that. But um, are, are you going to look back on that game and kind of look at it as a, as a we needed it kind of moment or you're not into the those kind of things? No, I I, I think that the, the, it's so funny. I mean, when you look back on your this career, seasons and life and whatever, a lot of times, you know, at that moment, the adversity that you hit, you look at it and it stinks, but you look back on it, you're like, man, that was a blessing for us. You know, like we, that happened at the right time for us that really allowed us, you know, to be honest with ourselves about some things really showed us how far we needed to go. 
Um, and, and we responded from it. And I think every year you go, you, you look at those things and if you, every team's going to have it. And, you know, if you handle it the right way, it can be one of the biggest, you know, growth opportunities you have. And, um, maybe we will look at it that way. Clearly it's played out that way for us. Um, it's proven to everybody that we got the right people in the room. Um, and when something doesn't go, we don't point fingers. We don't do that. We just get back and, and, and we go to work and we try to fix it. And everybody takes ownership, myself included. I mean, I'll be the first one to admit as a coach when I, you know, I, I didn't handle that the right way. I didn't make a mistake. You know, I made a mistake and I think our staff and our team is the same way. And I think that really helps us. You have, I mean, you got the right guys in the room is, is the phrase you just used, which is a, has to be a, a feeling of just, you can kind of exhale a little bit as a head coach. Um, I, I know coaches sometimes don't always, while you, you might publicly and outwardly say those things, you may not always believe you have the right guys in the room. And it, I get the genuine sense that, the guys in your room all believe you have the right guys in the room this year, what you just said. And, and that has to be satisfying, but you have two sophomores, at least on the statistical end that are leading that charge. And I'm, I'm curious when along the way, you knew Isaiah Stevens and David Roddy might be, you know, the, the kind of guys that could handle the spotlight they're in. So, you know, when you're going through the recruiting process and, you know, you do it and, you know, we, we work so hard at recruiting those two guys. Um, you kind of have that feeling, right? You're like, all right, these guys have the the right kind of makeup and personality. And, you know, they're just that we just clicked, you know, right away, but you don't know. I mean, this is such a, a difference. And then once, you know, last year happened and same thing, you know, as we started to take off and, and play a lot better, you could start to see, all right, these guys have it. And then as we've continued to progress into this year and they're continuing to make the next step, um, you really see it. And they're obviously both incredibly talented guys, but the, the, the difference maker, the secret sauce is who they are as people. I mean, um, they, they're incredibly coachable. They're about the team. Uh, um, you know, we'll do anything you ask them off the court. They're a joy to be around. I mean, all that stuff. And so they just, they have the intangibles, right? It's the town, the intangibles. And I think that's what makes them special. And they, and they both got to get a lot better. They're still growing and learning right now. The situation that they're in, the situation our team in, is different for all of us, right? Some chartered territory. And so we got a lot of room for growth, but yeah, you could sense in the recruiting process. And then as time's gone by that those guys have um, the right makeup to be these kind of players. And, and you said they're still getting better. What, what is it that you think by the end of the season, maybe those two guys still need to do to get where you as a team need to be? Like what, what's the, the challenge for Isaiah and the challenge for David ahead that, that you want immediately maybe out of them? I think that, you know, there, I mean, there's, there's a lot of detailed things, you right, know, right. schematically, you look at they're playing you this way and that and reading things and slowing it down. But I think it's just for them, it's just continuing to, except, you know, they're going to be at the top of the scouting reports. Things aren't always going to go their way. It's the understanding that you can impact winning in the game in so many different ways. You know, it, it's, it's defense, rebounding, score. I mean, scoring, uh, uh, playmaking, um, you name it. And just having that feel for what the game needs and, and being that emotional leader too, when things aren't going well for yourself, can you get over that and just continue to, to be that emotional leader um, and I think the, probably the last thing is, you know, it, what really great players are able to do is they can change course in the middle of a game. You know, I, I, you like, you look at like a, a great pitcher, right. Who doesn't have his fastball that night, but they find a way 
you know what I mean? In that third inning or fourth inning to figure it out. Uh, Tiger Woods was the best I've ever seen at golf. He could go out and be five over on the front nine. Most guys are just kind of done, right, for the right. round. They got to get back to the range to fix it and get themselves together, but he could do it. And I think that's a real challenge, but for guys to figure out, hey, I, played a, I haven't played a great half here. These 10 minutes have been a struggle. I got to just kind of let it go here and figure out how I can regroup now and, and, and change the momentum. That's very difficult to do, but I think that's another step for these guys. David Roddy's a guy that obviously by now most people understand was a football stud in high school too. And I know anytime you're not watching the broadcast, like people on the outside are, but every broadcast crew brings up his, his highlight reels and stuff in high school. Did, did you guys know early on that there, you weren't competing just against other college basketball teams maybe, but you were competing against football teams. Like, were you comfortable? He was going to be all in on basketball early on. No, I mean, I, I, it was real. I mean, the football thing was real for David. David loved, loves, he still loves football. Um, so no, I, that was real for him. I don't think that was, so we knew there was still a chance that he would decide to play football. I think as time went on, you know, we got a better feel for, okay, this is what he was looking for in football. This is what he was looking for in basketball. I think we felt like we really, we really meshed well and had a great opportunity for him in basketball and so I think as time went on, we felt better and better, but no, I mean, it was not by no means was it Oh, we knew he was playing, you know, basketball until, you know, close to the, to the end. And um, thank God he did. <laughs> I'm thinking, uh, you know, from a comp, comp standpoint, people always want to say who this player is like, and, and he's so unique. I don't know if you've coached anybody quite like him um, from a height and rebounding ability standpoint. A lot of people have said Charles Barkley, I suppose, um, I don't know if that is, is entirely accurate, but what do you see? Is there a comp, a David Roddy comp that people might recognize? Yeah. You, you know, you just said it. He's the most unique player I've ever coached. And I, I say it all the time. He's the one guy I've ever coached that legitimately could play all five positions on the floor. Yeah. You just don't, you just don't see that. Um, yeah. He's such a tough matchup. You know, I saw somebody the other day, they used the net like Marcus Pfizer, you know yeah. what I mean? That played us. I, I mean, I think that, I don't know, you know, at, but that, to me, that's what makes David so cool. It's so cool is that there really isn't another, you know, it, he's just kind of, he's so unique that way. Well, and, uh, when I heard Charles Barkley, I heard, I heard one of the TV crews bring him up and I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Cause Charles Barkley was pretty short as yeah. a, great, a great rebounder compared to Fords. I'm talking, um, but man, to, to think that Charles Barkley, the round mound of rebound and David Roddy have the same body type is, is not exactly accurate either. Um, because David Roddy is, looks like he's still a linebacker and he, I know he played quarterback, but like, he looks like <laughs> he's still a football player. Yeah, no, he, he does. And, but there are, you know, I go back, I was a big Barkley fan and there are some similarities there to just somebody with his size that just played so much bigger yeah. uh, um, than, you know, I mean, he's a big guy, but, but that way, and just had the, you know, what surprises people about David and a guy like a Barkley is that as big as they are and physical, they're surprised at how light on his feet he is, right. you know, how quick off the floor, how light on his feet and what great hands and touch and skill. Um, and, you know, the thing with David is, is he's really, people don't understand like, you know, this off season for him. And then now is the first time he's ever just been able to focus on basketball. Yeah. You know, so he comes in and I think, you know, everybody's seen his shootings improved, his ball handling's improved, his conditioning's improved from a basketball standpoint. And so I think the sky's the limit for him. All right. I'll, uh, I'll kind of wrap it up with this. I'll, 
I, I know, first of all, that look, there's plenty of season to go. You're a coach. I'm, I'm not asked putting you on the spot with this, but as of right now, it looks like the, the Mountain West has four teams that have a legitimate shot at this point. Somebody else could play their way in, but there's four teams that have a shot at the title, which you guys are, are very much included in, and you guys have already played the, the other three that I consider in that four-man four group, but they're, one of the other teams is, is a Utah State with, with a Craig Smith as a coach. This is a Colorado State team that was once coached by Tim Miles, and people in Albuquerque and UNM Lobo fans know those names now well as opposing coaches, and they're getting to know yours as an opposing coach. Is there a Craig Smith or a Tim Miles story that Albuquerque and UNM Lobo fans <laughs> – um, would enjoy hearing or anything about maybe the pit that, that you recall from your first or, or your current time at CSU? You know, we had some great battles with New Mexico, you know, that, that I could think, I can, you know, thinking of, you know, Craig and Tim, I remember the, the year, the year before that we went to the NCAA tournament, you know, we, and, and we beat New Mexico at home. And I, I remember that, you know, Will Bell, who was our starting center, tells us that shoot around, he can't play. And we've got to start Pierce Horning at center and Greg Smith and, and played. And we found a way to win that game. And I, I thought that was just a phenomenal moment that, you know, kind of turned the tables back on you guys and make the, you know, New Mexico fans uh, uh, remember. But the thing about New Mexico that I remember and all of us, it's, it's the trips to the pit with the snake. You know, you always loved it when you came off the bus and snakes waiting for you and just giving it to you. And that guys had never been there before. You're like, this can't be serious. Like what? Is this serious? Well, you know? So what's your approach to snake? Is, is it a warn the guys, like especially the freshmen who have no idea? Do you say, hey, there's this guy. He's going to be waiting in the parking lot. And uh, at the game, he's sitting right next to the opposing um, bench. Do you warn him at all or do you kind of let them experience? I mean, we talk about it, but we try to have fun with that. That's the one thing about Tim and that crowd. He always had a great banter, you know, with it. And we, I love it. I love playing in the pit. I think it's awesome. The students are – I mean, even that, they're just giving it to you. The snake's giving it to you. But the best story, I think, was – when and Tim left snake tickets to a game in Moby. Did he and show he up? Showed up. <laughs> yeah, he came. And so he was sitting down there, you know, like by our student section in the baseline or whatever at a game in Moby. And it was just, it was awesome. Uh, um, so that we had such great memories, you know, together and time goes by so fast, but it's, it, it's really cool to, to see, you know, other than when we play him, you know, the success that Craig's having at Utah state and Tim's a terrific coach. I have no doubt he'll be back, you know, on the sideline here soon. The game is better when, when he's coaching, but um, it's amazing how this business works, you know, guys that you're with and you're just kind of, you're own 16 or you win four games and you're like, Oh my God, how are we going to survive this? And then you look, <laughs> you know what I mean? Down the road and, and, and you're competing, you know, against each other in, in this kind of uh, um, setting. It's just, it's really awesome stuff. And uh, I feel so blessed. Well, here's the hoping that we get back to whatever the, the normal is going to be after all this. But um, yeah, the, the pit, um, Moby when it's packed, like the, the, uh, the Mountain West isn't a, isn't just, um, you know, that conference out West that isn't the Pac-12. It's, it's a special place because there's some arenas and some, some fan bases that are legitimately, uh, good for college basketball. And I, hey, I wish hey, more people knew that. Jeff, we sell that in recruiting. I mean, to people, I mean, like, you know, you go play at the pit, you go play at VA Haas, you know, you go play at Utah, so you go play at the Thomas and Mac when it's real. I mean, go on and on, you know, our place, I mean, Boise, it's some, it's some great, you know, venues that way and fans who care. And um, I think the, what the league has done with the new TV contract has been awesome. I think it's really provided a, even more of a platform, a lot of these FS1 games. And we've been fortunate to have the game on the main CBS, the one that we won against yeah. San Diego State. And I've got more and more feedback from people who have watched the Mountain West play 
And then you couple it with the league really having a nice year and stuff like that. I think, you know, you're, I'm really hopeful that this is the time for a resurgence again, you know, of the Mountain West. Well, you, you were there at the end of um, really the first really good run the Mountain West had at that 12, 13 season when five yeah. out of nine got in. You're, you're talking about a league that had more than half of its members make the NCAA tournament. And, and maybe this is the start of sort of a return to that. So. Well, yeah. And, and I listen to people say that wasn't possible and I don't believe there's just too many good programs and people there. And you look at what's going on now and, 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 you know, who knows how the season's going to end, but hopefully this is just like you said, the start of a resurgence and something really great for the league. All right. Well, coach, you guys got some good things going on and, and I do, I enjoy watching you guys play and, and uh, good luck the rest of the year. I know the, the season is far from over and you know that better than anybody. So good luck tonight and good luck with the rest of the season. Well, good Jeff. And hopefully, I don't know, do you make the trip to, uh, to Moby? I don't think I'm going to Moby. I'm going to the tournament, but I'm not going to Moby. Okay. Well, you weren't very good luck, right? The last time uh, or where? Or I, yeah, well, I know, guess you weren't. Yeah. I'm going to look up. I'm going to look up my record at Moby. Um, and, get that <laughs> covered, and I'll let you know, because yeah, it's uh, probably more Lobo wins than, than CSU wins. But yeah, the, the last one was uh, you guys did just fine. Yeah. Hey, I appreciate you taking the time you guys do. You do a great job. So appreciate you. Thanks. Good luck, man. Thank you. Yep. All right. Well, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation I had last week with Nico Medved, the Colorado State men's basketball coach. Obviously, the Lobos, who most of you listening and and certainly reading my work in the Albuquerque Journal are primarily interested in. Um, They they play the Colorado State Rams Tuesday and Thursday this week in Fort Collins. They will actually, as, as I broke Sunday evening during the Super Bowl, don't blame any of you for not seeing it if you were busy watching the football game, but I did post Sunday night, um, and it was in Monday's print edition of the Albuquerque Journal, that the Lobos are now scheduled or planning to play their final six regular season games of the season in Colorado, and that is the two games this week at Colorado State, then their two home games against Wyoming, which were in between those, are now, since New Mexico's public health order still prohibits the UNM Lobos, or any college team for that matter, from playing in the state, playing games in the state of New Mexico. They can practice, but games are still prohibited. So the Lobos' February 17th and February 19th games against Wyoming will be actually played at the Air Force Academy outside of Colorado Springs because the Lobos on February 22nd and 24th play Air Force, which is only a three-day gap between the two series. So instead of hosting, if you will, the Wyoming Cowboys in Lubbock, Texas, or in St. George, Utah, or wherever else the Lobos have played home games, designated home games this season. They found a way to to just be in the same place that they would play their next series. It's a shorter, obviously, trip for Wyoming anyway. So for all parties involved, and, and obviously everyone's happy that Air Force allowed this to happen and, and made this work. So the final six regular season games of the Lobo basketball season will be played in the state of Colorado. That is Tuesday and Thursday of this week at Colorado State. It is February 17th and 19th, hosting technically, hosting Wyoming Cowboys at the U.S. Air Force Academy in Clune Arena. And then February 22nd and 24th, they will be playing at Air Force for two games. So those are the final six regular season games. Obviously, that leaves about a week and a half gap between the Mountain West Tournament, which actually it's two full weeks, really between the the final scheduled game now for the Lobos on February 24th and the Wednesday of the Mountain West Tournament week on, on March 10th. So in those two weeks, 
the final half week of that, the women's tournament starts and no men's games are going to be played. So you really have about a week and a half where the Lobos don't have any games on the schedule right now. There's a possibility, I suppose, as as Paul Weir has said, that, that maybe if there's a an opportunity to make up the two San Diego State games, they will. Of course, in that time, San Diego State also has two games to make up with UNLV, so I just don't see that happening. Um, UNM is not expecting it. San Diego State is not expecting it. Nobody's really expecting that one to happen because right now, as it stands, San Diego State, as I pull up their schedule as we talk here, San Diego State is a team that I clicked on UNLV. San Diego State has games scheduled through Saturday, February 27th, which gives them one week, and that's a Boise State series at home. So that gives them one week between that Saturday and then the following weekend is when the Mountain West Tournament starts to make up the UNLV two games that they have to make up and and possibly two UNM games. I can tell you right now, San Diego State's not going to go out of their way to, in a week before their conference tournament, make up four basketball games, two of them against a Lobos team that is right now in last place in the standings. I don't expect them to be then. Um, I do think they can beat Air Force. I think they might be able to to get a couple wins still before the end of the season. But I don't see San Diego, I don't see San Diego State interested in in making up two games in that final hectic week that they may have with the Lobos team that not only is at the bottom of the standings, isn't going to help their computer rankings, the Aztecs computer rankings that is going into to postseason play, but also it's a UNM team that that called the series off. Um, whether you Agree or disagree with their reasoning for it. They did not have positive COVID-19 cases on the roster, so this is not a typical pause situation where the team couldn't play based on having a a positive test on their team. This is a a decision UNM made that due to COVID, which UNM believes are valid reasons, due to COVID-19 reasons, they didn't have enough players they felt were available. But that's a little bit different than a team that simply couldn't play um, due to the, the strict rules in place of having a COVID positive case on your roster. So there, there's some uh, hurdles in the way of San Diego State and UNM playing the two games scheduled that uh, were supposed to be played last week and that UNM ultimately was behind calling off. So here we are, a uh, week of Colorado State Series for the UNM Lobos. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Still going to keep bringing them weekly to you as the season winds down. A, a, an interesting season, obviously, not only for the Lobos, but for everybody. But um, because the final six regular season games, as of right now, are scheduled to be played in Colorado for the Lobos, that does appear, anyway, to close the door on any chance of a Lobo basketball game being played in the pit this season due to health code or public health order restrictions and that will be the first time since the pit opened in 1966 that a men's basketball game was not played in a season and it'll be the first time since in in program history that a game for the Lobo basket men's basketball team hasn't been played at least somewhere in the state now in the early 1900s there were some seasons where just a few games were played and they might have been in Las Cruces or even Las Vegas and um, New Mexico had some some seasons where they played games up there and they didn't play any games in Albuquerque technically but you're, you're looking about a century ago that the last time the Lobos actually had a season that they played and didn't play a game in Albuquerque. And you are looking for at the first time in the history of the pit the since 1966 is when they played their first game. This will be the first time that a game was not played in the pit. So um, obviously we all know the score by now. We know what's going on. We, we understand that New Mexico has health restrictions in place that prevented the teams from practicing in-state most of the season. 
and prevented them from playing home basketball games in the state of New Mexico for what now appears to be the entire season. And that's where we are. So hope you enjoyed this podcast. Again, catching up with Nico Medved. Uh, greatly appreciated him letting me do this podcast interview, but also sharing some stories with us about this year's team and about the past and uh, reminiscing about that Kendall Williams game. I know some Lobo fans will like to hear, but he's a good guy. He's been a good uh a good coach in this league, not only, you know, for, for the success he's had, but opposing media like me. Um, he's he's friendly, he's accessible, he's approachable, and, and he's a good a good ambassador, I suppose, for his program, but also for this league and, and, and helps this league out in a lot of ways. And there are a lot of coaches like that in this league, and I'm much appreciated, much appreciative, rather, um, for all those coaches that are that are open with talking with media, even the ones that aren't covering them primarily. So Hope you liked it. Let me know what you think. At Jeff Grammer on Twitter, G-G-R-A-M-M-E-R. That's G-Grammer at abqjournal.com is my email. Let me know what you think via email. Hopefully uh, I can keep coming with these podcasts every week. And if you have any ideas on these podcasts, maybe we'll do a mailbag here coming up soon where I can answer some questions and uh, we'll keep doing that. So hope you enjoy it. Again, all our coverage on college sports and and all sports in New Mexico, abqjournal.com slash sports and abqjournal.com slash subscribe so you can subscribe to local journalism. Until next time, thanks for listening.